want to add my greeting to all of you. My name is Greg Durenberger. I'm also one of the elders of Emmaus Road Church and the senior pastor. Uh, greetings to those of you who are near in the Sioux Falls area. And greetings to those of you who are far. Uh, one of the um, blessings of doing live stream is that we've had people um, tuning into our worship gathering um, that normally would not have the opportunity to do that. So for the rest of you across the country who have been meeting with us, um, we are very humbled that you would see fit to join us in our experience of worship together. I want to invite you to turn to the Apostle Paul's first letter to Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 4. And as you're doing so, um, I'm going to tell you about a teenaged girl, and we'll just call her Nancy for now. And at the uh, invitation of friends, Nancy began attending uh, meetings with other teenagers from church. Nancy soon expressed an eager desire to become a Christian. Uh, one thing led to another, and one night she prayed together with one of the women leaders, and she confessed to God her sinfulness against God. She also confessed her need for a Savior, and she expressed her faith in Jesus. Soon after, she was then baptized, publicly professing her new identity in Christ. Nancy was also um, quite a talented musician, always seemed to be at the piano when uh, the group sang worship songs to the Lord. She, she was a faithful servant. And then Nancy went away to college. When Christmas break came around and uh, members of the old group were reconnecting with each other, Nancy was oddly aloof, I guess you'd say. She didn't show up to the Sunday uh, worship meeting. And uh, when she did make an appearance at a holiday gathering uh, at someone's house, she was, she was just discernibly different. There was, uh, for lack of a better way of describing it, an edginess to her disposition. Her, her conversation points lacked any kind of spiritual tint. And that gathering ended up being the last time Nancy made any connection with her former spiritual community. Now, now that in and of itself would not necessarily be unusual. You know, relationships change different seasons of life, different chapters in, in, uh, in our uh, storyline. However, anyone who crossed paths with Nancy from that time on could see clearly that Christ was absent from her interests, absent from her values, just absent. The, the Nancy people knew in their high school days was gone. Now, perhaps you know or can think of someone like Nancy. What are we to make of people who once appeared to possess a genuine and vibrant relationship with Jesus 
but do so no longer. Timothy faced the same questions, and the Apostle Paul addresses them in 1 Timothy chapter 4. So I want to invite you to follow along. I'm going to read verses 1 through 5. And uh, wherever you may be, I want to invite you, if you are able to stand, this is just as an expression, a physical way of expressing our regard for God's word, our respect for God's word, and our eagerness to hear his voice. Follow along. Now, the Spirit expressly says that in later times, some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared, who forbid marriage and require abstinence from foods that God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For everything created by God is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving, for it is made holy by the word of God and prayer. This is God's holy and authoritative word. Let's pray together. Father, it would seem just by the reading of this text that, that we're mindful, we're made mindful immediately that what we are about in giving attention to what you have said through your holy, authoritative word. These are matters of great significance. These are moments of great significance. How we respond to what you have communicated about yourself, these are matters of grave importance, matters of life and death. And so we want to be fully attentive in our minds, fully responsive in the affections of our hearts. And we're looking to you to do a great work, to assert yourself, to communicate yourself, to reveal yourself to your people for their salvation, for the strengthening of their faith, in all that you have promised to be for us in Christ Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen. I believe the main point of 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 5, is that some will depart from the faith. That is, some will leave the faith. That, that's a disturbing notion. It is troubling to think that someone like a Nancy, for instance, who once responded favorably to the gospel, who appeared to entrust themselves to the truth of the gospel, but then departed from the gospel 
It's troubling. It's destabilizing. And we know for a fact that it really happens. And when it happens, it shakes a spiritual community. It raises all kinds of questions. What does this mean? How is this possible? How is it, how is it that someone who appeared to be of us in terms of spiritual life and substance be not of us any longer? This kind of departing, this kind of leaving will rock a church, and it is this kind of departing that had rocked the church in Ephesus, and I believe it's for that reason that the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, by God's grace, gave to Timothy and to us through the Apostle Paul such a clear and explicit revelation. On this side of eternity, it's going to happen. Some will depart from the faith. And how are we to respond to this inevitability in the household of God? And the first thing on which we need clarity is the faith. What is that? What is the faith? What is the faith from which someone, some will depart? And from the text, we can we can be certain of one thing, that the faith is not a reference to a feeling. Paul and the Spirit are not addressing a departure from a feeling. Now, that's not to say that feelings or what we might prefer to refer to as affections, uh, it's not to say that those are not significant. They are significant. Sorrow for sin, joy in the Lord, peace that passes understanding, wholehearted love for Jesus Christ. These are profoundly significant feelings. But our eternal destiny does not ultimately hang on a feeling. The faith of which Paul is referring has to do with the the object of faith. What some will depart from is entrusting themselves to certain truths. They will stop entrusting themselves to certain propositions and assertions about who God is and all that God has done and all that God promises to be for us in Christ Jesus, and they will entrust themselves to other propositions and assertions. We can see what some in Ephesus had departed to in 1 Timothy 4, 1 through 3. Paul says, In later times some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings teachings of demons through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared. And here's here's what they're departing to. Who forbid marriage and require abstinence from foods that God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. 
some had departed from God's economy. They had departed from God's created order for marriage. They departed from marriage as a picture of the gospel. They had departed to their from that to their own economy, their own order, namely sexual intimacy without the covenant commitment of marriage. No marriage, no marriage for us. You can have that, you can have that, you could, but because we can have all the good stuff without the ring. And they had departed from God's created order and economy about food. They had departed from eating and drinking as a celebration of the glory of God to eating and drinking as a law for self-salvation. They departed from living according to the wisdom of God in reliance upon the grace of God to living according to the wisdom of the age, the culture, in reliance upon oneself. There are some who will depart from trusting the truth about who God is and all that God has promised to be for them in Christ Jesus and instead will turn and put their trust in other things. In short, some will depart from the gospel. Why? Why is it that some will depart from the faith? Why will some leave the truth of who God has communicated himself to be for us in Christ? Well, according to 1 Timothy 4, 1 and 2, it's partly at least because they've been duped. They have been deceived. Paul says, in later times, some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons. And that that teaching will come through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared. So they're they're going to depart from the faith because they they put away their Bibles. They're going to depart from the faith because they departed from their Bibles and believed doctrine taught by agents who deal with the devil. And the devil's tactics, the devil's message, the devil's doctrine has never changed. From the very beginning, he has sought to undermine the faith by casting suspicion on whether God, whether or not God can actually be trusted. Are God's household rules really good for us? Oh, they seem so unreasonably restrictive. Is God's economy just and fair? It doesn't seem like it. Just, just look at how the unrighteous seem to prosper. Is God really looking out for our well-being? Ah, oh, I think he's holding, holding back good things. So you see, departing from the faith always boils down to one question. Can God really be trusted And some will depart from the faith because they believe, they have come to believe that the answer to that question is no. No, God cannot be trusted. Jesus taught that some would depart from the faith. And he was quite clear as to the reasons why. Look at Mark chapter 4. 
verses 14, verses 15 through 19, excuse me. Jesus uses a parable to explain uh, how and why some would depart from the faith. He says, these are the ones sown on rocky ground. The ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then, when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, they immediately fall away. And others are the ones sown among thorns. But they are those who hear the word. But the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches... And the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. So according to Jesus, the reason some will depart from the faith is because life just gets hard. Really, really, really hard. And the reason some others will depart from the faith is because following Christ for some, has a heavy price, a very, very heavy price. And others will depart from the faith because the allurement to the comforts and pleasures of this world are just just overwhelming, and they simply lose interest in the faith. So whether it's being worn out by suffering or disheartened by persecution or distracted by prosperity, on account of these, according to Jesus, some will depart from the faith. And then, there are those whose departure from the faith, it just seemed to sneak up on them. This reason, this reason for departing from the faith is one I think that we can all identify with. We can, we can locate ourselves in this. In Colossians chapter 1 verses 21 to 23, Paul says, and you who once were alienated and hostile in mind doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh, by his death, in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him, listen to this phrase, if indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard. And that word, Shift also uh, can mean move or dislodge. So, so here again, Paul's teaching that it is possible to discontinue in the faith and the gospel. It's possible to become dislodged from the truth and the hope of the gospel. It's possible to depart from the faith. And here's how it happens. The gospel says... I am accepted by God through Christ Jesus. In God's sight today, 
I am counted holy, blameless, and above reproach before God because of Christ's perfect life. His perfect life, his sin-atoning death are credited to me. They are mine. And therefore, I'll trust him and I'll obey him with joy. But then, that deceitful spirit whispers its demonic teaching in our ears. You obey, and therefore God accepts you. Which also means, when you screw up, God no longer accepts you. Now, this doctrine has many names self-sufficiency, self-righteousness, self-atonement, self-salvation, but most commonly we just simply call it legalism. Loved ones, what do we contribute to our salvation? Absolutely nothing. Legalism is the shift, it's the departure from the hope of the gospel that says, I must earn God's approval. I must earn God's forgiveness. I must earn God's acceptance. And I earn these spiritual blessings through my own personal performance. In other words, legalism says there's another way of salvation apart from Christ. And friends, that is a lie to which we are all remarkably vulnerable. Each of us, not some of us, each of us, all of us are prone to shift, to depart from the faith. And when we become dislodged from the gospel and we shift from it, here, here's the danger that happens. The, the death of Jesus on the cross no longer seems sufficient for us. At least that's how it seems. The cross apparently wasn't enough, therefore we feel the need to add our own good works in order to save ourselves. And loved ones, <laughs> as obvious of a problem as that may seem, at least the way I just described it, there is a deceitful spirit making that temptation reasonable. And we hardly even detect it. Sadly, I confess that, that I frequently find myself discouraged by my awareness of my nearly countless deficiencies. I frequently find myself thinking, you are just nowhere near as sharp as people think you are. You are actually really a fool. You are a poser. Uh, you're unfruitful, unproductive, slow of mind, lacking in self-discipline. You're terrible with words. You're just not getting the things done and accomplished that, that God wants you to get done and accomplished. And because of that, God's not so happy with you. You have fallen out of favor 
And it's because you're not doing what he wants you to do. You're really kind of a, you're not a very good leader. You're a lousy leader. You're a lousy pastor. You're a lousy husband. You're a lousy father. You're a lousy man. You are a lousy Christian. Now, you see what just happened, right? I shifted from the gospel. I swerved from deriving my joy and my hope and my sense of personal significance and self-worth in Christ over and onto my accomplishments and my perceived successes and achievements, which then define my value as a leader, pastor, husband, father, which define my value as a person. I departed from the fact that I am loved and accepted and counted holy and blameless and above reproach before the Father in Christ Jesus alone. And rather than trusting Christ, who earned God's favor for me, I shifted the object of my trust onto me and what I do in order to earn God's favor. Now, by God's grace, um, I come to my senses <laughs> most of the time. By the grace of God, I, I repent, I recognize it, I repent, I return to trusting all that God is for me in Christ. By the grace of God, I'm reminded how subtly one may depart from the faith. Loved ones, it is the grace of God that inspired Paul and the Spirit to tell us, to tell believers, brothers and sisters, that some will depart from the faith. It is the grace of God because these warnings from God to the household of God are intended to be an instrument of God to hold us fast. Knowing that some will depart from the faith, let's not mistake, make a mistake. This is meant to encourage you and me, first of all, to keep a close watch on ourselves. It is crucial. It is crucial that we get up and we give careful thought and we ask ourselves daily, what desires and lies do I need to turn away from in repentance? What truth about God do I need to turn to in faith? Is there false guilt? Is there misplaced shame? Is there anxiety, despondency, envy, bitterness, lust or laziness or impatience. These are just a few of the indicators that I may be swerving out of my lane, departing from the gospel. Living by faith, according to the faith, <laughs> is a matter we navigate moment by moment, day by day. The Christian life in this chapter of redemptive history Oh, it's like sailing our boat through rocky shoals. We snooze to our peril. 
And that's why Paul admonishes and testifies, I have been crucified with Christ, Galatians 2.20. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And that life that I'm living now, right now, today, in the flesh, I live today, tomorrow, the next day, by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's what we mean when we say preach the gospel to yourself every day. Remind yourself that you are joined to Jesus. Remind yourself that you're crucified with Christ and that on the cross, Jesus takes all our sins, past, present, future, and he credits to us his complete sinlessness. On the cross, Jesus takes our just, guilty verdict and the punishment we have earned, and he credits to us his just innocent verdict and the satisfaction he has earned and that life that we now live day by day moment by moment in the flesh we live entrusting ourselves to those merits that he has so graciously obtained by his blood never let the wonder of that gift out of your sight keep a close watch on yourself And second, keep a close watch on the teaching. Because you see, doctrine matters. Sound doctrine matters. Some some will tell you, oh, you know, the more you focus on doctrine and theology, just the further you're going to get away from a meaningful, warm, personal relationship with Jesus. Not so. Departing from the faith begins with departing from the truth about who God is and what he's done and all he has promised to be for us in Christ Jesus. Departing from the faith begins with taking that truth for granted, just assuming it. Departing from the faith begins with departing from hearing the word of Christ. So Paul says in 1 Timothy 4, 4 and 5, Everything created by God is good. Nothing's to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving, for it is made holy by the word of God and prayer. Drifting, departing from the faith is arrested when everything is submitted to the truth. God has revealed about himself in his holy and authoritative word. Our our purpose, our, our aim is not to be heresy hunters, but the Bible is the plumb line for God's truth, and we, we ignore doctrine and doctrinal discernment to our peril. Here's the third thing. Keep a close watch on one another. When Paul tells Timothy, some will depart from the faith, what's he saying exactly? Does does he mean it's possible that one might be saved and then later not be saved? Can, Can someone express true saving faith and then depart from saving faith? 
Is that what Paul's saying? We don't believe so. It would not align with other things Paul has said, like in Philippians 1.6, I am sure of this. I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus. It it would not align with Jesus' words in John 10 where he says, My sheep hear my voice and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. And no one will ever snatch them out of my hand. It doesn't align with dozens of other promises like Ephesians 1.13 and 14. When you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it. God will not leave us nor forsake us. We can have assurance of salvation. Nevertheless, we also understand that apart from God's grace communicated to us through the promises of Scripture and through the warnings of Scripture, none of us has the strength in and of ourselves to make it to the finish line. Saving faith, loved ones, is persevering faith. Our ultimate assurance that we are in Christ is that we made it to the end. And eternal security, according to God's word, is a community project. Hebrews chapter 3, verses 12 to 14 says, Take care. Brothers, take care, brothers and sisters, in Christ. Take care, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it's called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Christ if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. You see how vital it is that we we look after one another's faith? Anyone committed, anyone serious and sincere about making and multiplying disciples must understand that the aim of our ministry, the aim of our work, the aim of what we do in missional communities and discipleship huddles, the aim of it all is the joy and the perseverance of one another's faith. That's why That's why one of the deepest concerns we feel in our current situation, unable to gather in person, is the weighty regard we feel for everyone's faith. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. Paul says, when we could bear it no longer, we sent Timothy, our brother and God's co-worker in the gospel of Christ, to establish and exhort you in your faith. When we could bear it no longer, I sent to learn about your faith for fear that somehow the tempter had tempted you and our labor would have been in vain. But now, 
that Timothy has come to us from you and has brought us the good news of your faith and love and reported that you always remember us kindly and long to see us as long as we long to see you. For this reason, brothers, in all our distress and affliction, we've been comforted about you through your faith. For now we live if you are standing fast in the Lord. Some have, in this last year, some will depart from the faith. Knowing that is not intended by God to engender some anxious introspection, like, could it happen to me? Could it happen to me? No, it's intended, loved ones, to engender action. It's intended to engender a fighting spirit, to fight for the faith, to flee ungodliness and the fruits of false doctrines. It's meant to to engender a spirit that keeps careful watch. It's meant to engender running. Running a race in such a way as to win the prize. Let's pray. Oh, how thankful we are, Father in heaven, that you have communicated the truth about yourself, the truth of who you are, the truth of all you've done, the truth of all you've promised to be for us in Christ Jesus. You've communicated it. You've communicated your household rules. You've communicated your economy so plainly in your word. Faith, we believe, according to your word, comes through hearing your word. Saving faith, we believe, comes from hearing the word of Christ and by the application of the work of Christ. And we ask, O oh Lord, that you would save, that you would beget saving faith, you would strengthen faith, you would beget enduring, persevering faith, and that you would use the means, O oh God, that you have supplied your word, communion through the Spirit, communion through fellowship. Use these means, O oh Lord, to bring your people to the end to the finish line. You haven't promised steady, unwavering faith. That's not what saves. It's, 
It's persevering faith through the ups and the downs, the ebbs and the flows, the days when, when we, we feel strong and alive and the days when it feels like the devil's just literally sitting on our face. Lord, it's persevering faith. And so help us. Help us when it feels hard to believe. We believe. Help our unbelief. Help us, Lord, to trust you, to trust all that you are for us in Jesus. Help us supply all that we need, all that you have promised to supply. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.